and welcome to Diary of an Overcomer, the podcast that takes a look at the issues of addiction, domestic violence, and homelessness through the stories of women who have overcome them. Each episode, we highlight one issue and share a story of an overcomer, discussing the common questions people have and the possible solutions that are out there. I'm your host, Jen Harp, along with my co-host, Carol Patterson, the CEO of Shepherd's Gate, a nonprofit that helps women and children escape the cycles of addiction, homelessness, and abuse. Between the two of us, we have over 45 years' experience working with people who have struggled in these areas, and we both share a deep desire to help people overcome. So thank you for listening, and let's get started. Good day, Overcomers. It's your friend, Jen, here, and I am so happy to be back with y'all and my co-host, Carol Patterson. How are you doing, Carol? I'm great. I am excited about the weather. It's finally turned cold here in California, and it finally feels like fall. So I was excited to take out my sweaters uh, out of storage, and I'm excited to wear them. And I don't even know why I'm sharing that, possibly because today's topic is another very serious topic. We're discussing suicide on today's podcast. And I'm so pleased to introduce Marsha McInnes from NAMI Tri-Valley. And NAMI stands for National Alliance for Mental Illness, and she's the president of the Tri-Valley location. So welcome, Marsha. Thank you. We're we're super glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, I'm extremely honored to be here. I, um, I know this is an important, tough subject to talk about. Uh, and so I'd like to begin at the beginning. First of all, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a research scientist. I'm a mom. Uh, I'm an artist and a uh, lifelong career. And I am someone who has three family members with severe mental illness and a high risk of suicide. And so this has been looming for 20 plus years. Uh, So us folks who are in that situation, we need to learn and be able to share our knowledge to the world about our personal experiences, uh, as well as bring along accurate information. The the. The question at hand is uh, to next is what is NAMI and what is our mission? Well, NAMI is National Alliance on Mental Illness, and it is uh, structured into a national state and then a local affiliate. So I'm the founder of NAMI Tri Valley. And we are an independently run organization, but we share with the other affiliates anywhere in the United States, uh, whatever is our um, projects, our programs, or so we can freely um, enhance everything to help people in the public that need the help. And believe me, we are busy. What kind of programs does NAMI offer? Sure. Uh, NAMI Tri-Valley. Now, this can be different from any other. Right. Okay. We provide for the greatest need. And because uh, we have so few uh, mental health services in East Alameda County, which is our service area, we provide uh, a robust amount of support groups. So we have uh, two family support groups 
a month, a parent group once a month, and then we have a group for people with mental illness that meets on first and third Wednesdays. And uh, we are looking in the near future to start a Spanish language family support group. So we're very excited about that. Um, Again, we are unique from any other affiliate because we address our unique needs in our area. And one of the areas of main concern is suicide. So we have put a major focus on educating the general public and educating mostly families on what to look for, particularly if they have a loved one with a mental illness. And uh, that in of itself may be a risk factor. What are the top five warning signs that someone may seriously be considering suicide? We know there are many, but in your experience, what are the top five, if you could share those? Okay. I do want to preface it with, uh, according to CDC and the National Institute of Mental Health, nearly 46,000 lives were lost in 2020 alone. And yes, COVID played a, a major part. So comments or thoughts about suicide, also known as suicidal ideation, can begin small, like, I wish I wasn't here, or nothing matters. But over time, they can be more explicit and dangerous. Some of the signs could be increased alcohol and drug use, aggressive behavior, withdrawal from friends and family and community, dramatic mood swings, impulsive or reckless behavior. I really had a hard time trimming that down because uh, the list can really be long. So there's there are some other signs and uh, very important to pay attention to. Uh, collecting and saving pills or buying a weapon, giving away their precious possessions, mm-hmm. tying up loose ends like organizing personal papers or paying off debt, and saying goodbye to friends and family. So if I believe someone is serious about taking their life, what are some steps that I should take? It may sound counterintuitive. However, what you do is you directly ask, are you thinking about killing yourself or are you thinking of ending your life? And the reason why you go directly, this is not going to promote suicide. The reason why you ask directly is, in a sense, it's a release and a relief for the person who is contemplating suicide. It opens the door to talk about this more. It just opens the floodgates. Mm-hmm. And if that person does say yes, ask, how are you going to kill yourself? Do you know when you're going to do it? And do you have uh, a you know a weapon of choice? And oftentimes, this is never, ever 100%, but oftentimes people will be very candid about it. Yes, I am I have a gun and it's going to be tomorrow at noon and, you know, very, very open. Don't ever think for a moment that saying, or do you think, are you thinking of ending your life would be something detrimental. It is not. It's life-saving. And please don't say, 
Are you thinking of hurting yourself? Because that's easy. Sure. Yeah. But this is going directly to the point and it will open that door most times. What if they can confess all that? What's the next? I mean, I can't imagine if a friend of mine had said, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about shooting myself tomorrow at noon. I wouldn't leave there. You know, I wouldn't want to, I would want to take them to the hospital. I would want to get them help. No, you're so. on the right track. Um, there are some things to keep in mind. Do not leave an actively suicide person alone. Um, obviously, if you walk away, um, that would be the optimum time for a person to be able to right. kill themselves. So uh, this is a really crucial time. If you have to leave and you just absolutely have to, get someone else to take your place, but do not leave them alone. The other point, don't you know, pour on the guilt or threats. And uh, it may not even seem like a uh, guilt or threats, but um, saying things like snap out of it, or you just ruin other people's lives if you die by suicide. Uh, It only exacerbates the problem. And the last thing is never agree to keep a plan, their plan, uh, secret, ever. Is there a point where you should call the authorities because they are a harm to themselves or it is a 911 emergency yes okay yeah no no uh th- there is no better action than 911 now you can while people are waiting um this is a time to do a lot of listening uh don't uh you know interject with information or don't interject with any conversation that might be upsetting or if you're not sure what to say um then be a good listener yeah okay is there a national hotline that a family member could call to get someone to talk to them right away uh there is and i have that so i will share that today Thank you. Is is would that be a choice for a family member to say should I call 911 or a hotline? I'll co- cover that. It's 988 and that's the uh the new uh suicide and crisis line and uh Alameda County in San Francisco Bay Area uh has a particular uh, I'm sorry not even Alameda but California has um a uh, legislation that went through on the 988 that provides that crisis component which um it may be in other states as well but uh I do know that the, for those who live in California that is something beyond suicide crisis so Mm. someone's in a mental health crisis they're asking for help or they just need someone to listen they kind of go through kind of help them go through whatever it is 988 that's been really helpful to us here at shepherd's gate um, as an immediate response as well 
Um, allowing the woman to call that number at any time, 24 by seven, and it's in multiple languages um, in order to have the woman or person process with someone as with a professional. Yes. Although uh, a role that a person can play for a non-professional is if they are with that person and that person is decided that they want to end their life, uh, they can be that link between the distressed person and the professional. Right. By using these, asking directly, asking if they're, they have access and we- to a weapon or, or uh, a means, and then um, you know, getting them help. Also, I think you can text message. So for the younger generation that doesn't want to see anybody or talk verbally, that is better at text messaging. I think you can text message. Is that correct? Yes, you can. Yes. So uh, good, good, uh, good point there. Thank you. Um, So we've read this, that suicides increased 30% between 2000 and 2018 Uh, Then they decreased in 2019 and 2020. Then we saw an increase again in 2021 of nearly 4%. Are you seeing this same trend? And what are your thoughts about the increase over the past year? COVID. Yeah. I co-facilitate a family support group for NAMI Tri-Valley. So I hear from the family side. And a lot of, especially going through the 2020 through this year uh, and some people are elderly so they just can't get out or they won't get out just to avoid the chance of the risk of getting COVID. There have been a few people that I've known personally that have lost um, their family member to suicide during this COVID time that may not have occurred. Just the isolation and we did have uh, quite an increase in um, distressed, you know, people calling on that whole matter. From my experience, uh, yes, um, I do believe that that's a lot of it. That uh, isolation. Yes. It can um, happen to anyone, anywhere. Um, and that's why education is so important and support groups like yours to be able to help immediately because this is not something that you can just hope that you know put underneath the rug and and maybe it'll be better tomorrow it is a neurobiological set of disorders including substance use suicide and suicide ideology is I'm not going to say this clinically, so this is another disclaimer, but it is a a byproduct of psychiatric or um, just mental health problems. You know, one time I was driving, and I got, I'm the person that answers the calls for NAMI Tri-Valley. Uh, this young man came on the phone. I do not field uh, phone calls uh, for a hotline at all. We're not even a warm line. We're just an informational line. But this young man said, I'm going to kill myself. My, you know, someone important to me left and I have nothing now. What I had to do was not leave him alone. 
we talked about everything under the sun that you can imagine. So this is me driving, but we talked it through for about an hour. Um, I just kept driving and driving mm-hmm. so I wouldn't uh, disturb what we had because he was alive and talking to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, I had to put the phone down, and he said, please don't go away. See the value of talking to someone and mainly listening. It uh, it helped the caller, and then it, it also helped me to kind of understand how he was. I never did hear back. My haunting hope is that he's okay, and this was a couple of years ago. These kind of calls do, do not go away. Mm-hmm. I have family members that have attempted, and uh, fortunately for one member, someone walked in and and that saved his life. They just happened to arbitrarily walk in that one room. So it is close to me. Any of us could feel suicidal. This is not due to mental illness. In fact, I believe that around 40% the people who have suicidal ideology are, um, you know, have a diagnosed mental illness. But the majority, that's 40. So there's 60% of us with stress or who knows. So I want to say it's not just for people with psychiatric disorders. Right. I've heard that the weather change and the holidays can also add on another element to people's hopelessness. Yeah, that can be a hard time. And we knew someone who had committed suicide. She had a diagnosed mental illness and she was prescribed a medication, but she hadn't been back to get her levels checked or the medication altered, you know, for about four or five years. And that with that medication, it specifically says that it can cause suicidal thoughts, but she didn't share that with her husband. But she was leading up to that in the months up to that. She was acting erratic, paranoid and things like that. And then finally ended up taking her life. So for people out there who are on medication, who are diagnosed, it is important to connect with your doctor on a regular basis. Sorry, I, I just want to quickly say that family members, if they're noticing something, uh, they can always share information with a doctor, even if the patient says, no, I don't, I don't wish to have you release information to them, but any responsible clinician or provider would put this in the chart, uh, the, their patient's chart, but it's, I've called for one of my family members saying, you know, he's just not doing that well right now. I'm not sure the medications are working right. And I mean, we can ask, they even if there's no permission for the psychiatrist uh, or other professional to talk with you, you can always ask generically, like, I understand. I've just read that this medication might suicidal ideation. Uh, is that a risk? You know, or what? What? What would be the reason to prescribe that to someone, if especially if they have depression or anxiety? Or there are medications 
that lower suicide ideology. Mm -hmm. uh, lithium, which is a mood stabilizer, and then clozapine, which is an antipsychotic. And one of my family members uses clozapine, and that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, a lot of people haven't uh, seen their medical provider. And so, you know, that being something to encourage people to get a checkup, talk about these yeah. um, things yeah. with your medical professional that you're seeing, because yeah. there, there are medications like what you said, um, sure. but also being able to verbalize it to someone else of what they're feeling. You know, it's an, also important to have that trust. So I'm not going to, if I'm thinking I want to end my life, I'm not going to just talk to anyone. I know one of my family members would say, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. If they yeah. think I'm crazy, then maybe they'll put me in a hospital forever. The yeah. mind can think the worst. It's a busy place in your head, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So one of the things, according to the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, more teenage girls think about and attempt suicide. Yet when we look at adults, more adults, more adult males think about and attempt suicide. So I found this an interesting stat. I know for myself in high school and for a few of my friends growing up, hormonal things that you're going through as a teenager that you're just like, this is the end of the world. And I remember one person in high school who had ended up committing suicide. And the school put out this kind of tagline that was, you know, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And so that was kind of drummed into us throughout high school. It actually made sense to me as a teenage girl. I was like, okay, this is not the end of the world. This is just an interesting stat that as adults, men have now more thoughts about suicide and more suicide attempts. I already knew this fact that I'm, I'm reading uh, as I'm researching for today and making sure to kind of back up what I, the knowledge that I've been, have learned that men use more lethal type weapons, uh, particularly guns. Mm -hmm. But the more I read, the more I discovered, no, that's actually not true. It's just it just depends on how the testing is done and who's doing the study and what the focus is. But I do want to mention that, and particularly in our area, but it's it, I think it's a probably uh, common, but the largest age groups of dying by suicide are teens right, and men over 60. And uh, uh, some of the, you know, I've been in a few discussions about you know, elderly men, and actually, there's quite a problem of it out here in 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 East Alameda County. Here, are people that are at the end of the stage of their life, they're you know wrapping it up, retiring, and suddenly they're not feeling useful, mm -hmm. and they become depressed. So uh, it it is alarming, and of course the teens. I I have a lot to say about kids and parents and uh, what to do about that. But but we don't really cover a lot on. I'm saying as society on the elderly, and uh, I think that needs to be 
better focused. It's the 10th leading cause of death for adults and the third leading cause of death for teens in the U.S. On average, one person commits suicide every 16.2 seconds. And that's those numbers are just staggering. That's, that's U.S. That's U.S. Yeah. Sorry. That's uh, just tragic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for parents out there, are there warning signs for teens different than adults thinking about suicide? Is there any advice that you give parents who are concerned about their children? You know, there are some overlapping warning signs, but I do, I I, I have a laundry list and I'm going to read it and I hope you do uh, don't mind because this is so critical. And we can also include it in our notes so people yeah, we'll can read these. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So talking about one suicide or wanting to die, seeking out ways to kill oneself, such as gaining access to poison or firearms. So this is sort of, this is some of these, uh, again, overlap. Right. Talking about feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, or having no reason to live. Talking about being in unbearable pain or feeling trapped, talking about being a burden to others, increasing use of drugs or, or I say, and or alcohol, acting anxious or agitated, taking unusual risks or acting recklessly, changes in sleep patterns, withdrawing or talking about feeling isolated, show rage or seeking revenge, displaying extreme mood swings, and particularly so for teens, copycat suicides. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that where some schools, if there has been a suicide, they immediately try to address it as quickly as social media will release the information through the friend's network. Yeah, it's so critical to catch these kids. Um, you know, one time we were, uh, NAMI Tri-Valley had a table at a high school event. It was a health, general health event. So we had covered for mental illness. And, and this little freshman girl walked up. And she said, my best friend just killed herself. And we had heard of it. Uh, and I just froze. I just looked at her and then I just wrapped my arms around her. And said, I'm so sorry. And uh, we did quite a bit of um, discussion. Not we, she talked quite a long time with me about her. And it just so happens that the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention had a booth at this same event. So she, I walked the student over to them so that they oh, could uh, further support her. I've heard that high school um, principals and teachers are getting more training and on alert here in our community because of this increase of suicidal thoughts or atmosphere and how, what role does the school play and the atmosphere that they give off at school um, and also keeping parents up to date on their kids and their actions at school? 
that connection between the school and the parent and taking it seriously when a school's like, we see some changes and some differences in your child today Um, because you're all in it together. Mm-hmm. Well, Miami Tri-Valley sits on a mental health uh, advisory group uh, in the Livermore School District, and um, Livermore um, happened to, Livermore School District happened to receive a national grant a few years ago uh, to help fund, to train teachers mental health first aid for youth. And uh, that has been um, a godsend to uh, have this, not only for the teachers and other adult staff, um, I believe they started one for youth by youth. So one of the the fundamental trainings uh, in the course is, uh, on suicide prevention and how, what do you say? What do you do? Are you the right person to, um, you know, handle this? And if not, go find the right person, whatever that may mean. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and for a while, NAMI Tri Valley was providing mental health first aid, but only for adults. We we didn't expand. Uh, but uh, w- I did teach the uh, course for a number of years. Yeah. Um, you know, very, very useful. So if you're listening out there, if your school district does not have enough support and finances to educate teachers and principals and having these support groups on campus, this is an area to to continuously grow in because our kids are at school quite a few hours a day and they are influenced by their surroundings. So let's all invest in our, our school districts. Absolutely. So our next question is, is someone more susceptible to suicidal thoughts or attempting suicide if they have had someone in their own family take their life? Actually, um, yes, they are. And I have a few um, interesting points to make on that. Um, It says a person is very susceptible to suicide if someone in their family has died by suicide. Those with a family history of suicide were two and a half times more likely to take their own life than those without such a history. I have heard, and this is a sidebar, I have heard the reason why is because that is their normal. They've gone through it. Uh, They've experienced losing someone to suicide, and then it became normalized. But there are a couple of other reasons as well. So, um, and this is in in, uh, previous research, Experts found that clustering of suicides within families occurs and that suicide behavior in part might be genetically transmitted. Another point is family history of psychiatric illness and requiring hospital admission 
increased suicide risk by about 50% for those who did, or rather than those who didn't have that kind of psychiatric problem history. So there's old genetics um, and I guess normalization of suicide. Mm-hmm. So we had we had touched on the new three-digit hotline that has been launched. What we focus on is 988-911 and how to um, differentiate when to call. It says 988 is so new, but I got to say it is um, taking a burden off police departments on uh, crises that are clinical in nature. So it would be... Um, much wiser uh, to bring in um, advice and direction from someone who is a licensed therapist or a social worker, but probably a therapist, uh, so that they can de-escalate a situation that would be not dangerous. Of course, if a person is a danger to themselves or a danger to others, uh, then that is nine one one. If you know there's someone is upset and angry, and I mean anything that makes a person feel afraid, uh, do not hesitate to call nine one one. But if someone is in crisis, you know they're in crisis, and uh, you feel that it, the better direction would be to go. Uh, you know, dial 988. Actually, I tested it out. I did call 988 and um, a therapist picked up the phone right away. So, you know, it, it yeah. we've used it here at Shepherd's Gate um, in a couple cases, and it's been a very helpful resource that's immediate and by a professional and someone that can can just speak their language and and be able to talk through that. Uh, and, and police officers have been facing this for a very long time and, and holding this burden of their own training and practicing. So it's, it's a good complimentary um, addition. Yeah, not everything needs to go through the police department. And um, but I I I do want to add one thing we try to to help people with is if you do really need to call nine one one, then be sure and let them know that it's a uh, a mental health crisis and not uh, you know a domestic problem or mm-hmm. you know burglary or something. Let them know why you're calling. You just mental health crisis done you know mm-hmm. and, uh, um you know that that way it gives them an idea of what they're having to face and but, someone can get services once they do have follow through with this i mean it it rises their case up to to a concern and that more medical professionals can get in and help and oftentimes services are not available right away. And this is where NAMIs can step in as advocates. Oh, great. And uh, um, we do a lot of teaching, um, particularly for the support system around someone 
maybe they don't see that they have a problem, and, but the family member who's concerned says, hey, I'm really worried about my loved one and, and I really think they need help. Um, we can give them communication tools to better build trust with the person they're concerned about. Um, you know, uh, everything today, there are no guarantees of anything. There's no guarantee that a person uh, can prevent someone from, you know, dying by suicide. There's no guarantee that uh, calling 988 will work. There's no guarantee, but it is something. These are tools to try to help keep someone alive and well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, education is never over. You can always be learning something new to help someone else. I believe in it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Marsha, for sharing with us today. I learned quite a bit. And yeah. overcomers, if you're listening and you are someone you know is suicidal, please call the hotline at 988. Your call is confidential. You can, if it's you're calling on behalf of somebody, you can gather information. Or if you are that person, just know that it's confidential and, and you can get help. Uh, Carol, is there anything else, any question you'd like to ask? Marcia, thank you so much for what you do and, and how this is really just, you've just had a desire on your heart to consistently be the strength of our community. And I just thank you for what you do. Thank you. And this is, as my mother used to say, back at you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you. As always, Overcomers, we appreciate that you joined us for another awesome episode. And we look forward to hanging out with you again next time. If you found this podcast helpful, please do us a favor and hit subscribe. And then in the comment section, please feel free to share your own story of overcoming. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to next time.